Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The 1989 NFL Draft is known for one of the greatest classes right at the top of the draft as four of the first five picks would go on to become NFL Hall of Famers. Troy Aikman, Barry Sanders, Derek Thomas, and Deion Sanders. It's crazy because basically, if you were picking in the top five, you was getting a future Hall of Famer and a guy that would be a staple of your franchise for years and years to come. But there is one noticeable aberration, the number two pick. See why the Cowboys, the Lions, the Chiefs, and the Falcons all got future Hall of Famers? The Green Bay Packers at number two selected Tony Mandarin, an offensive tackle from Michigan State. But not just any offensive tackle. We're talking the greatest offensive line prospect ever. That was the title he started out with, but now he's known as one of the biggest NFL draft bust ever. And it's not only because he was drafted with the number two pick in the draft, but because he's literally surrounded by Hall of Fame players. Everybody that got selected around him went to the Hall of Fame. Like, what are the odds? This is the story of how one man completely duped the Green Bay Packers into selecting him over the bevy of Hall of Fame players they had right at their fingertips. Once you actually hear the story, you're not gonna blame the Packers, man. It wasn't their fault. The system had some major holes in it and Tony Mandarich exploited them all. So this is the story of the quote unquote greatest offensive line prospect ever. Without further ado, y'all already know what time it is, man. Cue the way. With the NFL draft right around the corner, I figured this would be a good time to look back at the story of Tony Mandarin, a prospect from back in the day who had so much hype, he covered Sports Illustrated as an offensive lineman and was deemed the best offensive line prospect ever, and he was also called the Incredible Bulk. I'm not gonna lie, that's trash, bro. As I'm sure most of you guys have never heard of this man, you probably know where this story is going, but let's take it back to the beginning. Tony was born and raised in Oakville, Canada, but when his older brother received a football scholarship to go to Kent State, a 12th grade Tony moved to Kent, Ohio as well. He ended up playing his senior season at Theodore Roosevelt High School, during which time a young defensive back coach took notice of Tony and recruited him to Michigan State. Who was this young defensive back coach? Well, it happened to be Nick Saban, a guy who would go on to become arguably the greatest college football coach of all time. Now that's not greatly relevant to the story, but it is gonna come back up later in the video as I make a point. So, so just keep that in the back of your mind. Tony was a great success at Michigan State where he wore lineman of the year in 1987 and 1988. Dude was a physical marvel at 6'6", 330 pounds, but he was also the definition of a diva 
football player. It wasn't just reserved for wide receivers at this time. This dude was so full of himself that he once called out Mike Tyson to a boxing match, okay? He dressed like he was in a rock band. He had a dog named after Axl Rose. He was tatted, you know what I'm saying? He was he was true to it, you feel me? He also showed up to public appearances late and often drunk or hungover. He missed team meetings. He was just a terrible locker room guy, like just straight up. Now, if you feel like that should have raised some red flags, you're right, and it did raise some flags, but, but what would happen next made everybody forget about his faults. And once you hear this, you probably won't blame him. So Tony goes to the NFL Combine. He measures in at 6'6", 330 pounds with 11% body fat, okay? So he obviously looks the part. He looks more impressive than any NFL offensive lineman that existed. Okay, but that's just looks, but he does have the Big Ten offensive lineman of the year, so we know he can play, but, but let's see how he actually tests. The man goes and hops on the bench press, 225 pounds, boom, 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 repping it out. 39 times, that's more times than Aaron Donald. Then, and y'all really ain't gonna believe this, at 6'6", 330 pounds, he ran a 4'6'5" in the 40 yard dash as an offensive lineman, bro. I went and checked and that's a better 40 time than about 10 skill position prospects in this year's combine. But that ain't even it though. He had a 30 inch vertical and a 10-3 standing long jump. Dude was explosive, he was big, he was strong, he looked the part and he had the college accolades. So at this point you understand how he could be drafted right there with the likes of the Aikmans and the Sanders and the Sanders again and all of those cats. So when the draft kicked off with Barry Sanders and Primetime and Derrick Thomas still on the board, the Packers select Tony Mandarick second overall. What does Tony do? Of course, he immediately holds out for more bread. <laughs> Here's a quote from Tony during that time. Bro, I ain't like other players. I'm Tony Mandarick, goddammit. And they gotta understand that. If they don't like it, tough. That's just the way I am. And they are gonna have to learn to like it. You feel me? You know, more or less, that's what he said. He ended up signing for about four and a half million dollars. And when he got there that first year, he primarily just played special teams. So, okay, all that hype just to play special teams. This was probably because he one, didn't know the offense because he skipped all the training camp. And two, I'm pretty sure the Packers was trying to get this man just a little bit of humility because the entire time he was there, he was said to have a terrible attitude, terrible work ethic. And as you can clearly see his ego, man, his ego was out of control. Over his first couple seasons in the league, Tony's hype quickly dwindled down as he never actually produced on the field. But the hype wasn't the only thing that down. Over the course of only a few seasons, Tony went from 330 pounds with 11% body fat to a modest 290. 40 pounds gone in two seasons. Now, obviously, if this is an overweight player we're talking about, maybe that's a good thing, but no, we're talking about an offensive lineman who needs to be big, who only was at 11% body fat, amazingly. A guy who already has a little bit of a known drinking issue and is suspected of much more, dropping 40 pounds in two seasons. That is, yo, that's, that's a problem. His power, 
gone. His speed, no longer there. Hell, even his hair started to go, okay? Now, the Packers tried to salvage something of Tony's career by moving him to guard, but that didn't do the trick, and in 1992, only three years after he got drafted amongst all Hall of Famers, Tony Mandarick was released by the Green Bay Packers. After his release, Tony retreated back to Michigan with his millions, where he sank into a haze of alcohol and drugs for a couple years. Fortunately, his family was able to get him out of that and get him into a rehab program where he was eventually able to get clean. So what happened to Tony during his first stint in the NFL? Was it all the drugs he had started taking? More like the drugs he had stopped taking. I'm sure a lot of y'all didn't figure it out by now, but Tony was on the Roy's, man. He was on the Roy's hard. He took him all through college where the testing was super lax. And because of weak testing, dude was never caught. Tony was taking a concoction of several steroids used in racehorses. The Roy's created kind of the perfect lineman as dude was obviously strong as hell and super athletic. But one of the top qualities you hear about offensive linemen is nastiness. And what person is nastier than a 300 plus pound man on steroids. One time during the coin toss of the Rose Bowl, Tony actually punched the captain of the other team in the chest as hard as he could. Then looked the man in the face and told him that he was gonna die today. Dude decided that getting a sack wasn't worth it. And of course, Tony dominated for the entire game. Amazingly, during his time at Michigan State, he was tested about a total of five times, and Tony admitted to cheating all the tests. He constantly figured out ways to get around them, and he never tested positive once. The Roys allowed him to gain his ridiculous physique, they allowed him to dominate competition, and they greatly boosted his performance at the combine, allowing him to put up one of the best NFL combine workouts ever. Tony knew exactly what he was doing all along. He was creating a spectacle and making sure he was gonna go to the NFL and get paid. However, he didn't think so far as to what he was gonna do once he actually got there, as the NFL's drug testing is way more strict. So once he got into the league, he was scared to continue taking because he didn't wanna get a positive test. So he backed off the steroids and lost his aggression, his edge, and oh yeah, 40 pounds of muscle. That along with losing your hair and even his behavior during those years all pointed directly to steroid use, but Tony Wood actually admitted fully years later. Unbelievable the way time has gone by. I'm sorry, Rick. The phrase I was wrong was not in my vocabulary back then, but I was wrong. I conned you, lied to you about using steroids. I was a jackass. I don't wanna be like that anymore. He also described his thinking at the time. I wanted to create as much hype as I could for many different reasons, exposure, negotiation, leverage, you name it, and it all worked. Except the performance wasn't there when it was time to play football. Again, extremely short-sighted, but he did get paid. So once Tony got off the juice, it wasn't long before he was out of the league. Tony completely gained the system and made millions because of it. Later on, he would even write a book attempting to gain even more bread from the kind. Now here's the thing, bro. I saw this story and the craziest thing that stood out to me is that the man actually had NFL talent on his own. How do I know this? Well, after becoming sober and being out of the NFL for five years, okay, he got sober. He was out the league for five years, dog. The Indianapolis Colts signed this man to the roster. At this point, he's 31 years old and washed. He's been through drug addiction, steroid addiction, alcohol abuse, 
and again been out the league for a very long time. Despite all of that, in 1997, he started 16 games for an NFL team. Now granted, that coach team wasn't very good, but the fact that after all of that, at the age of 31, he could go and start 16 games for an NFL team, let me know that he had enough talent the first time around to have made it on his own. You have to give Tony credit and show him love for not only beating his addiction, but for fighting his way back into the league and having a pretty successful stint with the Colts. Not many people could handle the brutal media coverage endured and the ridicule from opposing players and fans. So you have to acknowledge the growth and the strength that it took to be able to deal with that from Tony's perspective. With that said, imagine if he would've just applied himself and actually worked hard instead of cheating and looking for a shortcut. The guy who would go on to become the greatest college coach of all time saw something in Tony Mandarin before the steroid use. The problem is Tony never saw that thing in himself. He thought he had to pump himself up with HGH and steroids in order to be an NFL player. And while yes, he completely robbed the Packers of four and a half million dollars or however much they ended up paying him and robbed him of a future Hall of Famer, he also robbed his damn self. He robbed himself of a long, fruitful career that he could have definitely had if he was still a starter at 31. Today, despite running a photography business, Tony struggles mentally with the decisions he made back then as his reputation will forever be that of a liar and a cheater. As people don't even acknowledge the little run that he had with the Colts at 31 years old. The moral of the story is this, work to develop the talent that you have maximize your actual gifts have faith in them bro we all know how this movie eventually ends so why not focus on the journey and the legacy that we actually leave behind do you want to be known as the buzz who was drafted amongst five hall of fame players or you want to get drafted in a third round and have a 10-year career and probably make more bread than you ended up making in that two years you was with the packers if that had been the case today we may remember tony mandarin in a completely different way and hell who knows he may have gone on to become a hall of famer himself it is possible but instead he'll forever be remembered as one of the biggest draft busts of all time hope y'all enjoyed the video my name is Flamel Rouse I'll see you next time Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli I guess aha in my dentist's office more than once actually do I have to say yes you do in the car before my kids PTA meeting really yes excuse me what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky I never win and tell well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.